You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Great interview for you today with Matthew Gutierrez. Really excited about this one. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Goody, of course, works over at The Athletic, does a great job covering Syracuse. We talk all things football with him today, kind of a state of the program and what it's looking like after these disappointing first four games. Tomorrow, we will have Goody back on the show to talk some basketball, some basketball recruiting, and just what the team is looking like as we gear up for basketball season here. So be sure to subscribe. If you're new to the podcast, thanks for checking us out. Subscribe, rate, review, do anything you can. We really appreciate all the support. And without further delay, let's get into Goody today, talking football. All right, our friend Matthew Gutierrez joins us now, one of our favorite guests on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. You know his work from over at The Athletic, covering Syracuse football and basketball. Goody, how are things with you? Pretty well, guys. Can't complain. Living uh, living the dream. Always a pleasure to be on. Really love listening to uh, all your great guests and, and the, the sheer number of podcasts you guys produce out there. You know, it's, it's not only quality, but it's, uh, it's a good quantity as well. So happy to be on. We appreciate the kind words from you there, Goody. We're going to do a little football talk with you. We're going to do some basketball talk on tomorrow's show with you as well. But let's start with football. And I think we just got to be blunt off the top. But when you look at that Duke loss from this past weekend, is that, given the circumstances of everything, is that the worst loss of the Dino era? Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, I had, I didn't think about it that way in the in the f- almost five seasons it has been. I, I think it, it certainly would go up there just given everything uh, heading into that week. I would probably put a couple up from the first couple years. Uh, there was uh, quite a few that, uh, you know, big-time scores given up. I would go, go down the list to, to Louisville and, and B.C., even Wake Forest. Uh, but given how bad Duke has been at 0-4, you had me thinking that probably it was. It simply was uh, a disastrous outing, of course, and you know the leakage and maybe SU saying that's no big deal, but I think it was just a, a metaphor kind of encapsulated everything about this. An omen, if you will. Uh, right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was, it's, uh, it's, I think it spoke, it spoke volumes. You know, I think back to some of those, those that first year, that, that Clemson game, I think Hughes went, went down. I think the score was 54-0, I believe. There were a few pretty bad scores, but those were against some, some quality competition, whether it was Lamar Jackson or, or obviously a Clemson team that, that goes to the, uh, the football playoff every year. So given all that, probably Duke takes the cake this past weekend. Yeah, I think the BC game last year as well, when they kind of just ran all mm-hmm. over Syracuse, it's, it's kind of the same type of feeling for fans, I feel like. But when you throw in that Tommy DeVito got injured in the game and now you're going up against Liberty and your three point dogs at home, just like that whole sort of thing wrapped into one. It feels like this might weirdly be kind of the lowest point of the Dino era right now here in year five, but how concerned do you think fans should be about just the direction of the program? Because obviously this is a weird year. And also, I mean, DeVito getting hurt, there's been so many injuries on this team this season. So on one hand, it has been some bad breaks, but also here we are back-to-back years after that great year and Dino's third year, and it's been very underwhelming since. 
Yeah, it's a great question, something worth pondering. You know, I don't know if there's a clear answer. There's just a lot of gray area with, with the program. Uh, you, you have a couple of great points there between the opt-outs and, you know, a key offensive lineman uh, being ruled ineligible, another offensive lineman, um, and Davis, who, who is still not uh, back. You have Chris Elmore still playing offensive line. You've had some reshuffling uh, on that offensive line, which, let's face it, has not been good in Dino's time. It wasn't good at his previous stops either. Uh, so a cause for concern there, too, is you know maybe this offense is limited not only because the, the, the tempo offense uh, has been more predictable, as some anonymous ACC coaches pointed out before the year, but just the sheer fact that they don't have enough protection and depth uh, to match the, some of the skill they've gotten from wide receivers and QBs. So there's a, there's a lot to take in. We could look at recruiting. I know you both have, have, have spoken with some recruits in the next couple classes and done some good you know, prediction work there. Uh, tough to say, right? It's been a little bit better. Uh, on the recruiting trail, but on the other hand, you know how many of these guys are, are actually going to be able to come in and compete with some of these middle of the pack and to, to upper ACC schools? Because the reality is, a lot of these teams that Syracuse is playing is is pulling in routinely four-star guys, and at Syracuse, that's still that's still a an only an occasional uh, thing. So, lots to take in. I think the direction of the program is certainly not upward. Uh, I've been saying that really entering this year and even the past couple of years, I think they, they have a lot of work to go. It starts by, again, solidifying the recruiting. They still have a lot of work uh, as far as, as, as strengthening pretty much every position group, you know, just adding depth, adding talent. Uh, can, can you recruit at Syracuse? It's a whole other question that we could probably have a, a multi-hour podcast on. <laughs> um, but the, I just think there's there's so many challenges right now, and the, and the program is at best, I think, just kind of, struggling to stay afloat i know six wins means bowl eligibility but in reality in my book seven wins is what it takes to have a truly successful season when you look at this team moving forward how far away are they from their next seven win season you know the the margin of error is thin but at the same time there's a lot of teams like duke in this acc bc i know they looked pretty good this past uh weekend uh, there's a lot of teams, you know, outside of Notre Dame and Clemson that, that are Syracuse is within range of, of beating. Uh, you know, you, you probably chalk up trips to Clemson and Notre Dame as essentially automatic losses, and you just pray no one gets hurt. I, I genuinely am uh, a little bit concerned in some of those games with Syracuse going deep into their depth chart against some really talented NFL-bound players at all positions in those games. But aside from those two, I think Syracuse has a path in most years to, to get in that 500 range, right, get to seven wins. Even last year, for as bad as they were late, they, they were still right there at five and seven and had a path, right, had a path to turning it around. They, they had some injuries, but it wasn't nearly as bad as this year. So I think there's always going to be that path with outside of the top few ACC schools, some, some room there, right? Uh, three ACC programs are now in the top, top ten, uh, which is which is I believe a first for the football conference. I believe you guys might know or be able to check that. But uh, it is a top heavy conference. Aside from that, there's a path for Cuse in the middle there to at least be 500. 
Yeah, they're going to play. I mean, right now, UNC is a top five team. So we are talking about the other day, they have three of the top five teams in the country are on their schedule, and they're all road games because you already played UNC on the road. And then the two others you mentioned there, Notre Dame and Clemson. So for you, the quarterback situation going forward, obviously it looks like DeVito by multiple reports, I think Stephen Bailey had it, that he's going to be out for the rest of the season, it seems like. And even if you are pondering putting him back into the lineup, if he has a shot, I feel like you just rest him at this point and get him fully healthy because it looks like this season is heading towards a downward spiral, of course. All right, quick break to tell you guys about one of my favorite products. It's Built Go by the same people that brought you Built Bar. It is their delicious tasting energy gel that helps you get through the day. If you're having trouble sort of staying active, staying motivated throughout the day, this is a great thing for you. I know I've been struggling to motivate myself to work out. Well, Built Go has been perfect for that. I can speak from firsthand experience. If you have maybe a big work meeting coming up, just something like a wall in your day that you're trying to push forward and push through. Built Go gives you the necessary energy and protein for that. It comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, which is really delicious, and chocolate mint. It's a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural, so it is much better for your body. So I don't know what you're waiting for. Visit BuiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED, and that'll get you 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED, one word, for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. You now are left with Rex Culpepper, who we've seen a little bit. We've seen him start games at Syracuse. And then after that, it's a couple unknowns at the freshman class and Dylan Markowitz, Jacobian Morgan, David Summers, I guess you could throw into that mix. We don't really know who is behind Rex right now, but would you be opposed to going further down the depth chart or what's your thought process on how they should handle the quarterbacks going forward? Yeah, obviously a, a crucial question. You know, with with how little we know about the three, uh, you know, freshmen, basically two true freshmen and a redshirt freshman, we could just group them together as, as freshmen for this uh, conversation. I think you start Rex right now because he's the guy you know that's proven and as Dino has pointed out, I think in a couple of Zooms, uh, Zoom conferences, is outside of Rex and Tommy, the other QBs don't get a whole lot of reps uh, in practice. So I think you go with Rex with you, which, you know, you know what you're getting for the most part, right? You, you might get a couple uh, surprise plays. So he'll be sturdy. He's not going to blow you away with arm strength by any stretch, but he's been in the program. He knows the offense. He's a really hard worker, has a nice story as well. Uh, so I think you, you go with him, see how he goes, does. And if it's an absolute disaster, I think you absolutely have a, one of the three freshmen, whoever has been the best in the workouts, which is a, a question mark, you have one of them then slide in. And at that point, you're building toward the future, uh, Tommy DeVito, you know, post-Tommy DeVito future, whether that's next season or the year after. The reality is he won't be uh, in the program in a couple of years. So you, you then just try to build with what you have on the table. I think you, I think the path, though, is clear that you start Rex. And then if you have to uh, sort of audible to a different QB, you do so uh, pretty fast. I know you said the QB2 is a kind of a question mark right now behind Rex Culpepper, but do you have any sort of inkling as to who that might be for this team? And really, how much worse can this team be if a freshman is in there? Is that kind of the, the dice roll that you think Dino should be making at some point? 
Yeah, it's a tough one. You know, I, I, I would to name someone, I'd probably David Summers just because I think he has a little bit more uh, experience and has been in the program and can at least point to some some, some sort of practice slash workout reps, just a little more familiarity. I think you just lean toward that at this point. I must see one of the other guys has clearly been better in workouts, but it's usually very difficult as a teenager to come in and, and be at this level. I mean, you look at even best quarterback at Houston, Donovan McNabb, right? We, we wrote about him this summer. He, he comes in really talented, but still he redshirts. You know, it just takes time uh, to, to kind of gain that confidence. So I think you go with David uh, for right now. And uh, if, if, it, if it's not Rex's, Rex's job, again, just a, a critical, critical position in a lot of ways, not just for throwing the ball, but in, in overall leadership and, and morale. Uh, as cliche as it is, that quarterback position is, is really important in that way. You know, Tyler and I love making up fake Vegas lines, and anyone that listens <laughs> to the podcast has probably gathered that by now. But let's throw out a win number at you. Let's just say Vegas reset now. They know everything that's happened and the injuries, and they're resetting the over-under. I would guess it would probably not be very high, obviously. They already have one win, so maybe it's, let's say, two and a half, which honestly might be, even generous Syracuse's way. I think you can make a case. It's more likely they win two games than three games the rest of the season. But where would you fall on a two and a half over under for the remaining games? And let's just assume every game is played on schedule and that, that assumes they get everything in. Yeah, I think two and a half is a, a good call there. I, I go under at two. I think they don't get beyond one more win this season given not only how they played on Saturday, but in the aftermath of that, you now have your All-American out for the year and probably will never play another game at Syracuse. And then you have your quarterback, your best quarterback recruit since McNabb. Uh, he's, the program has been so high on him, and now he's out. And you're, you're left uh, with a few options, I think, a few solid options at quarterback. So given all of that, I think one more win is probably a realistic expectation with this, with this team. Uh, given, again, the injuries and, and, and how they looked last week. I don't see them going beyond another win, whether that comes this weekend uh, or down the road against an ACC opponent. It's just going to be hard. It's hard to conceive a way, a scenario in which they can somehow pull out two more wins. Uh, really going to be difficult, difficult uh, long road ahead. Let's say the, the slate is wiped clean right now, okay? And, and you look at... You've got these final uh, couple games down the road here. What is a reasonable expectation, and what would you consider a success for this team moving forward, given the circumstances right now? I think the success is to have guys uh, not give up, be uh, a, and b stay healthy. I mean, I think as, stay as healthy as you can with this team. I don't, I don't know if you can really judge the win loss at this point, given looks like you know they're, they're bound to like a two and nine realistically maybe a three and eight year uh i think you just want to hope that other guys can stay healthy and just get reps and continue to build i know it's year five now and, and fans might be impatient and tired of hearing this but just try to build toward 2021 in the future right you have a, a crop of, of one of your better recruiting classes in the past uh 15 years coming in uh, as it stands right now, it could change, but that's per 247. And I think you just try to get guys as reps, right, and get them. And hopefully they stay healthy, knock on wood, in those Clemson-Notre Dame games. Uh, you know, they don't get 
stumbled too much. The scores might not be pretty, uh, but if you can if you can give you know a freshman quarterback some reps, if you can give uh, you know younger running backs reps, whoever that is, and just try to continue to to learn this new defense, uh, especially with the run game stopping the run somehow, which is uh, which has been a big issue. Uh, I think that's that's your positive, right? That's your takeaway if you can if you can do all that. What have you made of the new defense? So just a three-three-five scheme. Now we're four games in. Obviously, it started out great, but a, a tough week last week. Yeah, I was was really impressed. I think like a lot of people uh, at how quickly they were able to learn this defense. I thought it was going to take a lot longer, especially you know given some of Dino's comments. Uh, even you know usually a very optimistic kind of forward-looking in his media uh, duties. He he even said you know he wasn't sure. How, how long it would take, especially given they didn't really have much of a, of a spring springtime together to work out, you know, over at uh, the Ensley Center and, and kind of worked out some kinks and, and learned the new defense. So with all that said, I was really blown away the first couple weeks at how solid they were. Those first two games on the road against ranked teams, uh, I think those point totals they gave up were not indicative of, of the team and the, and the defense they were, right? They were gassed at the end of games. Um, and they still were even this past this past weekend. The offense is not doing them any favors. Uh, so that certainly p- plays a role, right? If the offense is on the field more, scoring more, that naturally will help the defense. So taking that into into consideration, I still think the defense is better than than what that game last weekend uh, indicated. You had a, still a pretty solid quarterback uh, for Duke, right? A, a former Clemson guy, clearly a someone who's who's proven talent and just a, a really good running game or running scheme heading into that game. Uh, so I, I still don't want to discredit the defense too much. I think it's I think it's that and special teams has, has still sort of been what this team has to lean on uh, to, stay in, to stay at least remotely in games. Yeah, Tim and I pointed to that 40-20 split on the, the time of possession from a week ago, and, and mm. that's obviously going to be a, a giant, giant red flag for any defense. I mean, if you're out there for 40 minutes, you're not going to have a lot of success. But And we've spent a, a hefty portion of this show so far kind of crapping on this team, but is there a player, and, and I know you've complimented the defense a little bit, but who's the player, coach, whatever, that you have been exceptionally impressed with this season? Oof. I mean, hat, hat off to I know as much as they've they've uh, given up big point totals, and as you mentioned there, it's because they're on the field. What Tony White has done in a short amount of time, coming into a new program, implementing a new formation, I think deserves a lot of credit. He's he's taught this defense uh, quickly. They they have better, faster athletes than they did, you know, when we were all at school, right, with with Scott Schaefer, and it's kind of a a, a disaster uh, watching. Syracuse football play in those you know five five years ago or so uh, they've made some strides with with the level of athletes they have and, and still Tony White's coming in not ideal athlete situation and, and, and depth for the ACC but uh, given some of those limitations uh, this defense has been been really solid so far we knew uh, it's you know designed to generally stop passing attacks and run defense is always going to be that sort of question mark and I think we're starting to see teams figure out already that maybe uh, obviously a good balance but you know a really good run game is is the simple recipe here and 
you know, you hope if you're Tony White, that's not the case, and that he can adjust. But I think through the first few weeks, uh, I still give him a, a solid B grade on on this defense, maybe even a, a B plus, given how long they've been on the field. Right? You can't you can't bash them uh, for some of these scores when they're just flat out gassed. Yeah, I love their mindset as a defensive group. It's definitely changed from the Schaefer era for sure. So I'm excited about the defense going forward, but. I think we do have to kind of address what many would consider as the elephant in the room right now, and that's Dino Babers and kind of what his outlook is with this team. I'm not there yet. I think most realistic fans are still not at the point where you would throw around, throw around the word hot seat, but what does it take in your eyes, considering the contract extension was not that long ago, there's been some good highs in this program. What does it take to get to that point with Dino? Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I don't think this year, whether they don't win another game or, or two more games, whatever the case, if they, let's say they finish one and ten, I still think Dino is the coach in 2021. Uh, like you said, they have the contract extension. It speaks volumes to. I know athletic director John Wildhack has raved about Dino, calling him a, a great friend and a great colleague for for a long time. I don't think he's he's just throwing those words around. Um, I think there is some meaning behind that. And just the way he looks at Dino and has spoken about him, uh, I think says a lot in that they, they believe in him for the long term. And look, it's going to be year six next year. You could point to some of the upsets, the, the, some of the occasional you know good exposure on national TV, beating top 25 teams or going down to Clemson two years ago and, and holding a lead with just a few minutes left. There's a lot of uh, highs that you can point to, and the recruiting has has gradually inched forward. Probably not as as much as you would want to get into the top 40 eventually, which I think you need to do to win at Syracuse. But he has one of the better classes right now in a while. We'll see if that holds. I think to answer your question, if next season things are still looking bleak, they're under 500, they're giving up big these big point totals, or the offense is still not getting. Uh, the production you need. I think after 2021, you then evaluate uh, where you're at and, and see the situation. How, how are these games being lost? Uh, what is the recruiting outlook? But for right now, it'd be, I think, way too premature. The season is you know, still, still a few games ahead of them, winnable games ahead of them. Recruiting has trended upward slightly. Uh, and, and I know Wildhack really, really just loves to you know the person. So I think all that considered, you, you give it at least – another year and a half before hot seat is thrown out there legitimately. Yeah, I'm with you there. I I think that it would take something off the field to happen for him to not be a football coach and to get fired from this program. But I do want to bring up this broader question, and it's something that Tim and I are probably going to dive into a little bit more later on as the season progresses. But Dino Babers is not going to be with this program for 20 years. Okay, that's just not how coaching generally works, especially on the football side of things. But would you say that Dino's SU tenure is more likely to end with him taking a job elsewhere or getting fired? Ooh, tough one, man. Trying to predict, <laughs> trying to predict the future. I think uh, he does. I think it will end in, in him getting fired, uh, and that's not a slight on him at all. At all. It's just I think the the challenges at Syracuse right now to to win with a number of past coaches are tremendous. Uh, you have a uphill battle automatically. We, the Athletic just, I think you both pointed out, 
wrote about uh, tough places to recruit, tough places to flat out win, and Syracuse was almost atop that list. Uh, I know the athletic facilities, you know, we've been down to, you guys have been down for for AER, I've been down for Daily Orange and and the athletic pretty much to every ACC school now, and just walking through campus, walking through the athletic facilities. It's it's an arms race, and as superficial as that might be, it does attract 17- and 18-year-old kids who want to, you know, be in a state-of-the-art weight room and have somewhat outrageous luxuries, but it does sell. It is a selling point. Syracuse does not have that uh, with some outdated facilities. Manly Fieldhouse, the Carrier Dome is not uh, a wow factor. I'm sorry if I'm in the in the in the minority, but I don't think the and it's leaking too. That, well, yeah, <laughs> I don't think the renovation was all, all that much of a of a difference. Uh, honestly, aside from the scoreboard, um, I, I think it's just not a very impressive place to be. Uh, as a as a fan or as a newcomer, right? I remember at orientation a few years ago being just completely unimpressed by this thing that everyone was talking about, the carrier dome. Uh, so yeah, I mean, long answer there, but uh, I do think it's just extremely hard to win. So it's not so much that Dino, you know, his job, you know, he can't do his job, but I I think there's just so many challenges at Cuse uh, that it takes a it takes a really really experienced coach who, who knows how to win anywhere to do that at Cuse. And so for that reason, I think he probably is, uh, is let go before he, he chooses another job. What do you say to the guy who says, all right, um, what, well, Jim Beheim has all this success. Like, is it going to have to take some sort of retread? Like a, I guess like a Rick Patino of football, is that going to have to be the case for the Syracuse team to get back to where it wants to be? Yeah, you know, I was actually just thinking about that the other day in my head, just like, you know, what if a, you know, a, a kind of a out, out of the blue hire comes here, right? Someone who got let go elsewhere, had an issue at another school, or there was some sort of lack of chemistry, or he got pushed pushed out by, by fans or the board of trustees, and maybe someone like that, a big name, you mentioned the Rick Pitino example, let's just throw that, right? The equivalent for football, whoever that may be at the, at the given time. Someone who you know is let go from an SEC school, or or someone who's had a good track record but had a la- bad last couple of years at a, at a school. I do think that might be the option at use, right? Someone kind of out of the blue who who really knows how to recruit, has a ton of contacts, is experienced, and can can come here and and win. I mean, look, Dino's he's supposedly offensive minded. The offense has been underwhelming. He sounds great in in media and that's awesome uh but that doesn't translate at all to winning that that just sounds good so i I, with with that said i do think you need someone who come in and win and if if maybe they they don't aren't as presentable in a press conference or or in in a speech that makes top 10 that's okay but if they can if they can really just nail down the x's and o's and get really talented kids to cues then then you have your your bread and butter uh, you know, I spoke earlier in the summer with former coaches and players from the teams in the 90s, and the one thing they all agreed on was, you know, recruiting local and, and mastering the New York State, New Jersey, Pennsylvania areas is critical. And right now, uh, you know, Southern schools, Big Ten schools, Penn States are, are eating up a lot of that talent. So uh, I do think you, you maybe your next coach at Cuse is someone who uh, – is a little bit of an out-of-the-blue hire. 
So what you're saying is Syracuse fans need to start rooting for like an Ed Ogeron scandal down at LSU, right? <laughs> Lane Kiffin. Yeah, I mean, him. yeah. <laughs> Lane Kiffin. Imagine that. Mike Lynch. Is he around? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of names to, to float out there. Ed, Ed Ogeron, right, was, was the guy who I think was eyeing up Cuse, right, several years ago and, you know, goes and wins the national title for LSU. Uh, you know, someone like that maybe, right, who, who is just a – ace recruiter and really can can just grind it out and get get four-star guys all right we'll get you out of here on this last football note before we do some basketball stuff with you for tomorrow's show but when you look at the the quarterback situation very very dire times right now dino babers he picks up his cell phone he rings up jim Beheim, asks for joe gerard to to come take a couple snaps at qb because i think he's won more games in the carrier dome than the entirety of the syracuse quarterback room right now how quickly is Jim Beheim hanging up that phone <laughs> uh man I don't know man I think as much as Jim wants to protect his point guard Jim's uh one of the biggest SU football fans he's been to nearly every game I think since since he was a freshman in the early 60s so uh yeah I think he, he lets JG3 play a little bit Joe, Joe let's not forget had some had some offers to play division one basketball and football He's a pretty good quarterback, so maybe it happens, man. I don't. He he might be uh, one of your better options at this point. I know he's gearing up for for hoops though, and he's got a lot on his plate with uh, you know playing nearly forty minutes a night and and taking a lot of threes. Mm, so you're saying there's a chance, huh? <laughs> I am, but you never know, right? Especially in the COVID year with with eligibility, who knows, right? He could just kind of pop into the to the depth chart. All right, that wraps up the football conversation, part one with Matthew Gutierrez. But don't worry, we have him back on the show tomorrow. You can subscribe so you can get it right away. We continue our chat with him and talk all things basketball on the show tomorrow. Basketball recruiting. Matt actually just had a chance to talk to Benny Williams face-to-face. So some interesting takeaways from that, where we stand in 2022 in terms of basketball recruiting. And also, we look ahead to the team that's going to take the court in a little over a month, really coming up on basketball season. So if you're new to the show, thanks for listening. Feel free to give us a review and rate. We really appreciate it. And also, you can check us out on Twitter. It's at LO underscore Syracuse, or just search Locked on Syracuse in the Twitter search bar, and it should pop up for you. So thanks for listening. We'll talk basketball with Goody tomorrow.